Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from April 17th by Brother Todd Burgess, titled Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. Let me tell you, it's been, been a privilege and joy sharing God's Word with you these last several weeks, and look forward to next several weeks as well. Has had a good good meeting with the deacons and talking with them and just getting to know each other and and I know they have asked me to continue on in through the month of May. So we'll continue uh, to go through Matthew because I think it's just a great book to go through and teach teaching God's word and and I, I really like the song the choir sang you know, titled and everything must die to rise again and and that goes right online with the message that's that we're looking at here today because we're dealing with what is real salvation. And Matthew chapter 3 shows the demand for real salvation. And that's what's important here. To make sure that, that you know, who, it was one, one, one of the, I don't remember which one mentioned, you know, ever heard the phrase, once saved, always saved, you know, and that can be offensive to folks. And what I always tell people, you know, when it comes, you can't lose your salvation, you just got to make sure you're saved the first time. You know, um, because if you're saved, you can't lose it. All right. It's not there. We, we can we can we can lose fellowship with God because of our sin. And it can be very discouraging. And, and we go down a whole bunch of, of, of paths and trails we don't want to go down. Because ultimately, what does sin do every time? If you stay in it long enough, it leads to death, even among Christians. And so we got to We have to realize that. And so the real salvation is what is being taught here in Matthew chapter 3. And, uh, and the focus today, as we're looking at this, is, is, is that part of judgment. That judgment. Um, God has judgment upon us. Because what? We are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. And there's nothing we can do about it other than turn to Jesus and what he did for us. And so we're going to be looking at that today. And, and this is really a part one of two-part message because I just couldn't get all of, chapter, uh, of verses 13 through 17 in one message unless you wanted to be here for an extra hour and a half. So I broke it down just the first two verses, 13 and 14, and because it's so important that we don't just gloss over God's word and we delve into the truths that are here. And in and, and these two verses, there's a phrase that for so many years I just kind of yeah, okay, I know what that means. You know, I've been, uh, need to be baptized of thee. And, and just all these things about what Jesus and John talked about, John the Baptist talked about, is like, what does that really mean? Well, we're going to find out today what those two verses talk about, how important those two verses are. And so, again, if we would stand and we'll read uh, Matthew 3, 13 to 14. And again, just in honor to God's word. Uh, and it says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. You know, to think what John, the position John was in, he, he knew who Jesus was, what Jesus stood for, all these things. And Jesus says, You baptize me. And John goes, I, I am not, I can't do that. But we're going to find out he did. 
Lord God, we come before you. Father, we thank you for your word and how it teaches us today and it taught those 2,000 years ago and it taught, it continues to teach as long as we are open to your Holy Spirit's teaching us your truths. And we put all of aside, put away all of our conceptions, our own, our own ideas, our own thoughts, and we let your word speak to us. And so, Lord God, we thank you. And we just ask your blessing upon your, 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 your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, for those who have not been here the last couple weeks, um, it's important to remember that John's ministry was a ministry, this is John the Baptist, is a ministry of baptism for the repentance of sin. That is what's so key. In order for there to be genuine salvation, there has to be in a person's life a repentance of their sin. Now that does not mean I go out and tell everybody, I did this, I did that, I did this, hold on, my list is still going on, I did this. It's not that kind of sin. In fact, I am one of those pastors that say, you don't have to stand up here and tell people what you've done unless you're a pastor or a leader and you've sinned publicly, then you publicly need to confess that sin. I mean, we're held to higher standards. Um, although, when you look at those standards, every child of God is held to those standards. But what it's talking about here is we got to understand we are sinners. We're born sinners. It's that sin nature we got from Adam, clear back at the beginning when God created heavens and the earth and created Adam in his image. That sin came from him. And that's the sin nature that we can't do anything about. And it's that sin nature that, that God has judged through his holiness. And we are, we are under the judgment of God. And so when they're coming confessing their sins, they're recognizing, and here, these, are, these, are, these were Jews who thought that, hey, we're descendants of Abraham, so we're not Gentiles. You know, we're already in God's family. And John is saying, no, you're not. There has to be that righteousness that God gave to Abraham because of his belief in turning to the Messiah who he looked forward to seeing. They had to do the same thing, just like we had to do the same thing, looking back to the Messiah, to the cross. And so we have to understand that confession of sin is a confession of we are sinners, born sinners. We're never going to be good enough. Our good works don't outweigh our bad works and vice versa. It makes no difference. If there's one sin, you deserve hell. That's what the Bible teaches. But praise God, it also teaches about Jesus and, and, and the work he did to cover our sin once and for all. And so it's important that we understand this. Um, the purpose of John's ministry to bring people to an, is to bring people to an understanding that they're sinners. And that's, that's what we talked about in that verse 6 where it says, uh, chapter 3, verse 6, and, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sin. They're acknowledging that I'm a Jew, but that's not good enough. I need something else. And, and, and it's the Messiah that brings that something else. I'm a sinner. And people had to recognize that. See, that's the very first step in coming to Jesus, to recognize you're a sinner needing a Savior because we're, we have offended holy God and are facing his judgment. And then we talked about last Sunday um, in, in Matthew 3, verse 11. It says, I indeed baptize you with water. This is John the Baptist speaking. 
unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And, and so you, you keep this in context, and we understand that that baptism of Jesus, that Jesus will do, and I mentioned this, Jesus didn't baptize anybody while he walked on this earth. Not one person did he ever baptize. And we have to understand that. But the baptism that's being spoken of there, well, it was the baptism of him give, sending the Holy Spirit after he ascended into heaven. Then the Holy Spirit was able to come. Not before. And so we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon those that have been saved. You see it beginning with the apostles in Acts chapter 2 and then moving from there out up until all the way through time. But you also see this same, this same acknowledgement back in Abraham's time in the Old Testament. That same belief, same salvation has not changed from Adam until today. It's been the same plan, same plan of salvation. Only thing they understood in the Old Testament was the seed of the woman versus the seed of the serpent. That's all they understood. We have a, more, a better understanding of it. And we're going to be held more accountable because of that. But that baptism of the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now fire means if you, if you reject the baptism of the Holy Spirit of God, you reject the Messiah, you reject all that was done for us, for on our behalf, then you're going to be baptized in fire and baptism just like you're being baptized fully immersed in water. You're baptized fully immersed in the fire of, of, of hell. That's where you stand. One or the other, there's no in-between ground. And that's what baptism represents. And that's what we've seen to this, up to this point. You, you, you're going to follow, follow whoever you follow. If you're following God, you're going to be, you're following Jesus, you're going you're to go and you're going to spend eternity in heaven with God. If you're following the father of lies, Satan, you're going to spend, where, you're going to go where he goes and you're going to spend eternity with him in the lake of fire. You see, we have to understand we are, Every person ever born has been born into eternal bodies. Your body you have now, it will be transformed when you die. Either to be in heaven or to be in hell. Okay, we need to understand that. That, 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 is, that is reality. That is truth. And so, when we come to these passages of scripture... We see that, first of all, this, this is the first announcement, the public announcement of Jesus' ministry right here in verse 13 and 14, or 13 through 17. It begins his public ministry, and it begins at his baptism. Now, why would Jesus need to be baptized? Because if John's baptism is a baptism of repentance because of sin, Jesus didn't need that because he had no sin. And so we have to ask this. There's so many times we read through these passages and we just, you know, breeze through it and don't really come to the understanding that we need to have. And so this is so important, especially that 14th verse, but John forbade him saying, I have need to be baptized of thee and cometh thou to me. See, John has a reaction here that many times we can simply overlook because frankly, we're not Jewish. And I don't know if anyone is, is Jewish here. But this would be something that, that would, what, huh? 
It should draw, it should, it should ring a bell, a warning signal. Hey, something's going on here. We need to stop and think about what's, what's being said here in this passage of scripture. See, this isn't the first time that Jesus had met John the Baptist. And so to understand why John has responded the way he did in verse 14, we need to go back to the declaration that John made when he first introduced Jesus the first time. And that goes back to the Gospel of John that the Apostle John wrote, chapter 1, verses 29 to 30. And it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, and now here's the phrase that's so important, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he, he was before me. Now we all know, you know, if you read this passage, that should raise some questions as well, because we, we know that, that John was born six months before Jesus. So how can Jesus be before him? Well, when you read what the Apostle John wrote about Jesus, that in the beginning he was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is Jesus. He's referring to Jesus, that Jesus is God, and He was before. He was the one that created all things. Nothing was created that was not created by Him. And so we have to understand that. And so according to John's statement, Jesus is preferred, is referred to as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, this is so important. We just can't overlook this. And too often we think nothing of this statement because, again, we don't have that Jewish background, you know, of all the sacrificial system that they had to go through. See, this right here would have been a, a red flag, and, and it was to many of the Pharisees and Sadducees who, who heard that statement. Whoa, what? No, hold on a second, that can't be true. Because they understood what John was saying here. See, first... We have to go back to that sacrificial system that, that, that about the sacrifices that were made for sin according to the law of Moses. Okay? Now, when it comes to sin sacrifices, I'm going to test y'all's knowledge. Give, give me one of the sin sacrifices that they gave. Anybody? The what? A lamb. Okay. We're going to come back to that. A lamb. Okay? How about the... Uh, Day of Atonement, right? Day of Atonement was one of those. In fact, that was, that was a sacrifice that was, that was made for the nation of Israel. In conjunction with that many times was the Passover that they did in their home, okay? But one thing about sin offerings, what happened to the sin offerings? They were what? They were burnt offerings. They were always burnt up, okay? So that's something to, to, to remember. So you had the, you had the Passover offering, um, and you have the Day of Atonement. Are there any other? Okay, a trespass offering, which was accompanied with usually the um, Day of Atonement. It was, it was incorporated with these other, uh, other offerings. And with all those offerings, and thank you for, I'm glad you all got those. With all those offerings, what animals were sacrificed? Bulls sometimes. Turtle doves. Turtle doves. I, I'm, I'm going to hold off on lambs because <laughs> lambs were never sacrificed that way. Goats. Goats were sacrificed. 
Okay? So you, you have goats, you have sheep, which is totally different than a lamb. Okay? And you have turtle doves. Those, those were the offerings that were made. Never a lamb. And so this phrase that John made, behold the lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, that's going to raise questions. Okay? And so John's address here to them would have been confusing because sin offerings were always goats, sheep, or doves. And so to properly understand what John is saying, we have to go back to that phrase that was mentioned for the very first time in Scripture. And that was back to Abraham. Okay? Now, when you go back in Scripture, this is where many times people can misinterpret Scripture because they, they find a passage of Scripture and, and, oh, this means this, this, and this, and they don't go back to where the, what's referred to as the law of first mention. you got to go back to where it was first mentioned in the Bible, and that definition never changes from that first point right there on. Never changes. So if you want to find out about something, find out where it was first mentioned in Scripture, and that's the definition from, there, from that point on. Okay? And you won't misinterpret Scripture. You may offend a lot of people who are, who are misinterpreting Scripture, but at least you'll be right before God. Okay? Now, so let's go back to Genesis 22, verses 1 through 5. And this is the first time this, this, is, this is mentioned, although it's not mentioned until verse 8, but we'll get that first. We have to get the context right here first. So let's get 1 through 5. And it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood and the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, and I, th I always like coincidences like the third day, you know, it's not a coincidence, but uh, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now, first of all, he's taking his son Isaac. So there's no, there's no question, was it, was it Ishmael? Was it somebody? No, it's his son Isaac, uh, whom thou lovest. The, his, his only son. Okay? And then he says, well, Isaac and I are going to go and worship. We're going to come back. It sounds like if we don't have the rest of the scripture, if we didn't, that, he's gonna, that Abraham's planning on being disobedient to God. But we know, because we have all the scriptures, that according to Hebrews 11, 17 to 19, we know Abraham's mindset, his thoughts. And it says in verse 17 of Hebrews 11, By faith Abraham, when he was tired, offered up Isaac, when he was tried, I'm sorry, um, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God, now this is Abraham's thinking, that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which also he received him as a figure. And so Abraham's mind was, God, you want me to sacrifice him? I'll, I'll do that. You're going to have to raise him up because your own word says it through Isaac. Everything, everyone's going to be blessed. 
And so that was Abraham's mindset. He was going to go, he was going to sacrifice, he was going to kill him, and he'd wait around a few moments, and God, do your thing. That's what Abraham believed, that God would have to do something, God would have to do a miracle to make this happen, okay? And so we see from that, this account Abraham, he was intended to sacrifice him and wait for God to raise him up from the dead. Now, it's in Genesis 22, 7 and 8, we see this situation about the Lamb of God that John the Baptist makes mention to here. And, and, and so, so it's very important we understand this. Um, in that passage of Scripture, it says, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father? And he said, Here I am. And he said, Behold the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb? For a burnt offering, Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they both, and so they went both of them together. And, and if you continue to read in that, in, in, in that story, we all know what happened. Um, Abraham's getting ready to, 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 to uh, slay Isaac. And the angel of the Lord came back and said, Whoa, stop right there. God knows you're faithful. Uh, look behind you. And he, he goes and he sees in, in, in the thicket of ram. And that's in verse 13 of 20, chapter 22. And it says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and, and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And so what you see here in Genesis 22, verse 8 and verse 13, is that God provided Abraham a ram for a sacrifice to be, to be given. But yet, John is saying here that, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Can you go back and think from Abraham's time until Jesus' time, was there ever a lamb offered as sacrifice for sin? by the nation of Israel, by the priests, anything, ever, never was a, a lamb offered. Not one time. Because what happened here, what Abraham has said, that is a prophecy. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. God would provide himself a lamb. For a burnt offering. And if we go on to verse 14 of Genesis 22, listen to what Abraham says. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Shall be is future tense. Abraham is making a prophecy led by God, about the coming Messiah, who is the Lamb that would take away the sins of the world. And that is why God has very much protected. Even when, when Moses wrote down the law and in, in Leviticus and everything that was there, never gives a lamb. Now, again, on Passover, as was mentioned, you know, a lamb is killed there, right? But is it a sin offering? No, it's not. 
because they were to eat all of it and what wasn't left, left they had to burn. But sin offerings are never, never eaten. They're always consumed. And so this is a prophecy that has yet been unfulfilled until Jesus came. And so from this event, the Jews have been waiting for the Lamb of God that God would provide to take away their sin. And John is the one that makes the connection that Jesus is that Lamb of God that God has provided. Now, did John the Baptist understand fully? No. He, did, he, he himself didn't understand about Jesus being the Lamb. And that sat in that sense, being having to sacrifice for sin. He didn't understand that, as many of the disciples didn't understand until after the resurrection. Then lights go off, and oh, that's it. We got it now. But they didn't get it beforehand. Even John didn't, didn't understand fully. Because if God would have opened their minds to understand this, do you think Satan ever would have put Jesus to death on the cross? Not at all, okay? These are one of those hidden mysteries that they didn't understand, but we have the blessing of being able to understand these things in our day and time. And so when you look at this, especially in John's gospel, uh, and, and, and especially in Revelation, he, 11 times John uses that, that phrase, Lamb of God, and every time it points to Jesus in Revelation, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God, 11 times you see that. Go look it up. And it's wonderful to see what the, quote, Lamb of God does in the book of Revelation. The Apostle John in his gospel goes even further uh, by linking the Lamb of God to the Day of Atonement. Now, there's only one sacrifice that took place during, during the year that did cover the sins of the nation. And that was the Day of Atonement. That was it. The priest would go one time, but now it's with goats, and offer sacrifice for the sins of the nation. The Day of Atonement. And there was two goats that were offered. The first goat is the Lord's goat. That's what I was referred to, the Lord's goat. It is sacrificed as a sin offering with its blood sprinkled on the altar and the mercy seat. Okay? That's what happens. The second goat is called the scapegoat. The scapegoat. It's where all the sins of the people were confessed over it and it was sent away into the wilderness never to be seen again. That goat was not killed. It was sent away. And so the symbolism you see here is that and we're talking about the judgment of God. The judgment of God. Okay? That true Appeasing God's judgment is seen in two things. Judgment of sin requires both the death and separation. That's what you see in the two goats. One, is, one was killed and his blood was sprinkled over the altar. The other, the sins were placed upon the priest would lay his hands on and, and would say some words, obviously listen to a bunch of sins, and then they would send it out into the wilderness. The separation from that sin. Death, separation. See why it's so important that we 
when we're sharing the gospel with people who don't know who Jesus is, who are lost, we need to understand that they understand judgment first. Judgment first. Because Jesus experienced that on the cross. See, death and separation points to the cross where Jesus experienced both while he was still alive. In Mark 15, 34, and it has one, some of these uh, Greek words here that sometimes are hard to pronounce, but in that passage it says, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why would Jesus say that? The reason he said that is at that very moment, God the Father placed all the sins of the world upon his son. And for the first time in all of history, all of eternity, Jesus was separate from the Father. He was the scapegoat that was sent out, separated from the world, sent out in, in, in there. And he... And all your sins, all my sins were placed upon Jesus. And God cannot, God the Father cannot have sin in his presence. And he separated himself from Jesus at that time. Now I want you to think about this. Here's Jesus. Here's a man who was, who was ridiculed, beaten, beard plucked out, crown of thorns thrust upon his head whipped with a cat of nine tails, all these things, forced to carry his own cross, all the torture that he went through, and yet not once did he ever speak out or cry out, not one time through all of that. But then all of a sudden, out of the blue, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because our sins have been placed upon him. And you know what? It wasn't long after that that he died. Jesus died. You see, he fulfilled completely the judgment of God that God the Father required because of sin, our sin. He did that for us. And if we reject the judgment of God on our sin, then we're going to pay that price ourselves. And that means that we go to hell to the lake of fire. We are separated from God for all eternity and we die the second death and spend an eternity with, in hell. Folks, we have to understand this. When it comes to the judgment of God, when it comes to salvation, God's judgment must be a part of that plan of salvation. Otherwise, we slap all that Jesus did in the face. People cannot be saved unless they recognize they are sinners and there's nothing they can do about their sin unless they want to pay the price themselves of death and eternal separation from the Father. That's the only way they can do it. And there are many that decide, oh, that's what I'm going to do. And they, they make their own choice. God doesn't send anyone to the lake of fire. They send themselves by their rejection of what Jesus did for them on the cross of Calvary. 
See, it's at this time that the sins of the world were placed upon Jesus and he paid that debt for us. He was separated from the Father. He died. And he went down to Sheol, which, which is our, our word for hell. But now he went to the other side. Where Abraham and all, they were. And then when he came up three days later, you know what's in, in that other side now? It's empty. Because he took them all with him to heaven. Because three days later when he rose again, he took his blood being the Lord's goat. Okay? And he took it to heaven and offered it in heaven. And we see that in Hebrews 9, 11 to 14. But it says, But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. That's not the Jerusalem that you read about in the Old, in, in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. That's the one that's in heaven and has always been there. It's always been there. Not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. See, this is heaven's altar. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkled the unclean, sanctify for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge our conscience from dead works to serve a living God. You see, this passage right here clearly demonstrates that the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ once and for all takes care of our sin problem. He paid the price for us. And again, going back to that, that, that song that was sung, everything must die to rise again. And you know what? That's true. Not only for the Christian, but for the lost person. Because when we die, instantly you either go to be with God or you go to be where Satan's going to be. Instantly. You die and then you go where you belong with the choice of what you've made. You go there. And see, all this shows that there is only one Lamb of God ever offered on the Day of Atonement, and that was Jesus. In fact, if you go back, and I have, I've done Bible studies on this, and Jesus not only was the sacrificial Lamb, but he also broke bread and taught it at the same time. And that's very interesting how God did all that. Very interesting. And, and, and we can get into that in the Bible study one day. But Jesus did it all. He did it all. And you see, when John said that, Lord, I, I can't. I, mean, I, you, I need to be baptized of you. Jesus knew that he couldn't baptize John because that wasn't his plan. That wasn't the Father's plan. And you see, when you look at verse 15 next week, 15, 16, and 17, as Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And they said, then John said, Okay. 
Because John began to realize, oh, wait. Lamb of God, Lamb of God. Fulfill the, oh. Maybe, John, maybe it clicked in John a little bit well, why Jesus had to be that, to fulfill all righteousness. And we're going to get into that next week. But my prayer, my hope, is that everybody sitting here, anyone that's listening online, there's been a time in your life when you have given your life to Jesus. And that means you recognize and you confess that you are a sinner born from, a sinner from, from birth. And nothing you can do about it. And you're relying upon Jesus, what he did to cover God's judgment for you because you're a sinner. And then you understand what Jesus did and you accept Jesus' covering of your sin because that's what he did when he shed his blood. See, his shedding his blood and doing all that, that was all part of the justification. Judgment first, then justification. Together is salvation. Together is salvation. But if you struggle with sin every day in your life, which Christians do, We just confess those sins individually, hopefully as soon as they happen, so we don't forget them. That's what 1 John 1, 9 talks about. But salvation comes to those who have ears to hear, eyes to see, and they understand they are sinners under the judgment of holy God. And they have to turn to Jesus, what he did. And if that has not occurred in your life, then you're not saved. And today is a day of salvation. Just trust what Jesus did. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. And you can be saved today. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.